0: preach now um so uh we have been as jamie said in our welcome in this above and beyond initiative as a faith family and here's the challenge we put upon us as a people these past i guess two months almost that we want to challenge you to hear from god and then to risk obeying him and uh, we have seen God do some incredible things. And today is a day of celebration about what God has done uh, through our little obedience. And uh, I don't know if you're like me, but when you have times like this, I tend to look back at my life, my faith journey on when I've kind of heard from God and risk obeying him. And I can't help but think about something my wife did, not what I did. Um, you know, you've probably heard the story before. Six years ago, six and a half years ago, my wife really heard from God for us to go adopt a child from China. And uh, I still think she was crazy. But, um, uh, and she risked putting herself out there and obeying God. And we have seen the fruits and the joy of obeying him in that. And what's been incredible over these past few weeks is to see our church has always had a heart for the orphan. Like, you, you, many you don't know Tyler and Sarah Spears. When we first started the church, they came and they started fostering every child in this area, it seems like. And they heard from God and they risk obeying him. And they're in another church now, but they have left a legacy of this in our faith family. That, we, that orphans are benefiting from now, even today. And what's been crazy over this past like two months, we've had multiple families say they are taking steps to adopt internationally, adopt locally, to foster locally. We have seen many of you in this room uh, take steps to join our match team. Our match team is there to like provide care and help for the families who are taking this step. And even yesterday, so yesterday our match team put on this uh, Easter egg hunt for all of our families that adopt and fostered. And I will tell you, just for me as a parent, because I was able to receive that blessing, it was one of the greatest uh, events we've had, like, in a long time. Um, Full disclosure, I did win the the sack contest, jumping around the pedo sack, um, by a landslide, actually. And so I would say it's Tim Tebow-esque in the way that I did that. Um, Yeah, I did that. And... um, but more than that, because we showed up and there was these people, these, we had teenagers and we had adults and parents, and we had kids. They like took my kids and said, just go be. And my kids had so much fun and so much joy. And it was this picture of the church is what it really was. The church is serving each other and just walking in joy. We just laughed and enjoyed God's creation for a little while. And so even today, as we celebrate all that God is doing, uh, I want, this is, I'm going to ask people to stand up right now. I'm you feel awkward. But if you have, um, maybe you've adopted and fostered yourself. Maybe you've joined the match team. You're on the match team. Or, or maybe in the past few weeks, you've taken a step to say you want to adopt and foster. I'm going to ask all y'all to stand up, make you feel awkward. And if you don't, I know who you are, so I'll call you out. And so... I probably won't do that, but please stand up if you've adopted, if you've fostered, if you're on the match team, if you have helped people, um, if you're taking a step towards adoption and fostering. Mandy, that's you. Come on. Laurie, that's you. I see y'all here. People that are taking steps towards adoption, joining the match team, caring for the orphans. Folks, this is one of the missions and the focuses of the church. And so we need to celebrate the saints that are doing this. Amen? And so because it's this beautiful picture of the gospel. And so I want to pray for these families right now. Uh, Dear Lord, we thank you for being a God who sees everyone. Who sees the forgotten orphan. Who empowers people and helps people take steps towards taking this step. And the body of Christ comes around them and supports them and loves them. Thank you for faithful brothers and sisters and saints. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for our adoption even through Christ. We love you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can be seated now. I'll stop yelling at you. So we're in the book of First John. As we start Holy Week, right? Today is Palm Sunday, the the start of Christ's journey to the cross, even this week. And in 1 John 1, uh, Luke preached last week on verses 1 through 4. And and real quick, I want to start even today's sermon with verses 3 and 4 from that passage, because I think it informs our our talk today. This is uh, the Apostle John talking to the church in verse 3. He said, what we have seen and heard... That's what they saw with Jesus and heard from Jesus. We declare to you that you may also have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. John is writing this letter. And even our passage today is about our fellowship with God and our joy being complete. This picture of fellowship and joy. And we can't, like, preach on Palm Sunday and not think about our Savior Jesus taking those first steps, right? Knowing that the people at that time that were cheering him and celebrating him were going to soon turn on him and crucify him. But because of his desire to see fellowship and joy in his people, he walked faithfully to the cross, It's why we sing songs like death was arrested. We can't help but cry because our Savior made a way for us to have fellowship and joy. And I was reading today because sometimes it's hard to measure like fellowship and joy. Like how do you tangibly measure this? Go to Acts 2 real quick. I know we're already like diving in pretty deep today. But Acts 2, I read this this morning. And this one phrase jumped out at me in this early church. Verse 42, I've read this passage a thousand times. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and to prayer. They're just being the church, right? Verse 43, everyone was filled with awe. Many wonders, signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. There was like this uncommon unity, even though these people were all very different, right? There's this great unity. keeps going. Verse 45. It says here, they sold their possessions and property and gave the proceeds to all as any had need. This is them literally selling their homes, selling their cars, not literally, but for us today, selling their stuff and saying, it's not mine. It's God and it's ours. Supernatural. Verse 46. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. And here is what blew me away this morning. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts. Joyful and sincere hearts. So here's the question I ask myself even this morning. Do I find myself following God and obeying him from a transformed and a joyful and sincere heart. Let's say it like this. Do I grin and bear it? Or do I grin and mean it? Like there is this sense that we believe that the, the job of the church is to do all these hard things that we don't want to do and then say, well, look, we did it. But folks hear this. That's not what God is after. It's going from external Christianity to internal Christianity, from outside the cup works to inside the cup works. Hear this, inner transformation is possible and expected in God's kingdom. It's possible and expected. And John would define this in this text today as either walking in the darkness or walking in the light. Walking in the darkness or walking in the light. And here is the thing that kind of tells us where we're at. If we are just living our life, just kind of walking day to day with no thought, there's a good chance that we're walking in darkness. We don't accidentally walk into the light. So John gives us four things today to help us walk in the light. Four pictures of how we can walk in the light. Here's the four kind of things in our text today. First, he gives us a foundation. A foundation. Second, he gives us a warning. Third, a path. And fourth, a promise. A foundation, a warning, a path, and a promise that John gives his people, even us today, to walk in the light. So here is our foundation There's this picture of, um, what does Jesus say? He says to love your enemy, right? In the Sermon on the Mount. And, and we tend to re- read those kind of things and we kind of talk ourselves out of it. Well, what he really means is this. Well, what he really means is that. We just talk around it. And I was reminded this, sto- this week of that story of, remember Dylan Roof in South Carolina? Uh, the white man who busted into that ch- the church, the, the black church, and killed nine people. And then months later, he's there for his sentencing, I believe, or something. And all of those families of the murdered victims stood up in court and forgave Dylan Roof. And I couldn't help but think, this is the picture that John is after. Because those families had no reason to do that. They weren't forced to do that. They were compelled to by this inner transformation of love that extended to their enemy. And I can't think a better picture of living out God's kingdom than that right now. And here's what I want us to hear today. That transformation in that kind of way is possible and expected in the kingdom of God. Do not be okay with outside-the-cup transformation. Jesus came lived a perfect life, walked that road to Calvary, died a brutal death and rose again so that his people could live from a place of joy and not a place of obligation. And I think we've become way too okay in our church, in the church of living from a place of obligation and not a place of joy. He came so that our joy may be complete. And our joy will never be complete through grin and bear it, Christianity. God has came for so much more. Let's get in. A foundation. Verse 5. John says here, this is the message we have heard from him. Reminder, he heard this from Jesus. No telephone. Like, he lived and walked with Jesus And he is giving us like the reports of Jesus. Remember the end of John when he says there's not enough books in the world to write about all that Christ has done? Well, John's like, well, here's one nugget right now. He says here, this is the message we have heard and from him, and we declare to you God is light, and there's absolutely no darkness in him. God is light. God is different. He has two points here he's making when he says that God is light. First, God is holy. What he really means is God is wholly different, W-H-O-L-L-Y, different. He is completely different than us. There's no darkness in him. Now, we're good church folks, we know that Christ was sinless, we know, these, we know that God is perfectly holy, we can't even be near him, he's so holy, we know these things. And it's in this light, it's in this holiness, that our sin is exposed and our sin convicts us. We see the holiness of God, that he is light, that he is different than us, like, oh, I am off, I am wrong, I am sinful. But hear this, we see this light, we see this holiness shine most clearly in the person of Jesus. I, I want to remind you again, Jesus was a man who lived for 33 years. And he even talks about it and somewhere on the Mount. You know, you hear in the, in the commandments like, thou shalt not commit adultery. Uh, Jesus taught and said and lived, he said this, if you have lust in your heart... Men, hear this today. If you have lust in your heart, you have committed adultery. Our perfect, sinless Savior Jesus lived 33 years and never lusted. For the men in this room, imagine 33 years of a perfect, sinless, lustless life. Our God is light. Jesus did not just teach, love your enemies. He was on a cross, spat upon, beaten, persecuted, all these things. And what did he say? What did he say? He said, forgive them. They know not what they do. Our Savior, our God is wholly different than us. He's wholly different. His holiness, his perfection, his sinlessness. See, this God of light is beautiful, but if we're honest— he, he feels inaccessible. Like, I, I, I can't be that way, right? I can't approach him. Which leads to John's second meaning when he says God is light. He is light this light also means it's a light of revelation and illumination. It's a light that lights the path to life. It, what it really means is he is supernaturally accessible. So he, he is wholly different. He is. But he's not inaccessible. He is supernaturally accessible. This is the foundation. Look at verse two, uh, chapter two, verse one here. Because kind of John gives his point for writing this here. My children, I'm writing these things to you that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, here comes the supernatural part. We have an advocate with the Father. If you study that, it means like we have like a lawyer a counsel on our behalf with the father pleading for us jesus christ the righteous one he himself is the atoning sacrifice for our sins he makes it super he makes himself supernaturally accessible through faith in him and this is the foundation for fellowship and for transformation is that God is light, that he is wholly different, but he is accessible. And it's through setting our minds, what Paul says, right? To set your mind on things above, to behold the image of God, that God is light, and to see yourself transformed from the inside out from one degree of glory to another. But John also knew this. His readers were accessing this foundation the wrong way, which leads to his next kind of thought, which is the warning. The warning for them and the warning for us. Go to verse 6 in our passage. He says here, If we say we have fellowship with him, and yet we walk in darkness, we are lying and are not practicing the truth. Go to verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Verse 10. If we say... We have not sinned. We make him a liar, and his word is not in us. See, they are walking in darkness in two different ways. The first is this it's in their hypocrisy that they're walking in darkness. See, in verse six, most clearly, it's them saying, We have fellowship with him, yet we live this way. See, they were deceived in their thinking. They thought they could have fellowship with God. While they practiced sin. They thought the experience what they thought was fellowship with God was fellowship with the darkness. It's this thought that we can profess God with our mouth and say we're walking in the light but walk in darkness. I read this from John Piper this week where he kind of really comes on this point. He says, how is this teaching good news? Some people think that the only way to make the gospel really good news It's to deny that changes are necessary in our lives. They say that that takes away the possibility of assurance of salvation. They say the way we live after putting our faith in Christ has nothing to do with our salvation. I answer that a powerless gospel is not good news. A gospel that only wins lip service is not different than all the other philosophies of the world. Such a gospel produces a Christianity that is a game of words. It encourages lukewarm churchgoers. They are safe from God's wrath because of some inherited mental assent to the love of God. Such a gospel accounts for how 40 million people can claim to be born again in America at the same time that our moral condition is an all-time low of corruption inside and outside the church. His words, not mine. It's obvious this hypocrisy of saying that we believe in this mental assent. What it really speaks of is that we have no real desire to change. Like we want to, in a sense, be a part of this club, but we don't want him to be Lord of our life. And hear this, friends. It's dangerous and it's destructive. And it's because we have forgotten that Christ did not come for just external change. We live in an external world, but hear this. Jesus came for it all. He came from inside the cup, not just outside the cup stuff. We miss this, and we miss John's big warning here, that we profess faith at some point, and we agree in our minds, but we say, I, I, yes, I believe that Jesus was God, and, and I agree with that, and I'm going to do a few things, but I'm going to spend money the way I want to spend money. And, and I'm going to love and be kind to who I want to be kind to. And I'm going to serve who I want to serve. We say these things, this mental assent, this profession, but the desires of our hearts and the actions of our hands give no weight to the ways of Jesus. But it's not just hypocrisy that this church is walking in darkness. It's also hiding. Hypocrisy And hiding are recipes for walking in darkness. Look at verse 8 again. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves. And the truth is not in us. Verse 10. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. We make him a liar. Because we're saying if we have not sinned, there's no need for the gospel there's no need for atoning sacrifice because we didn't sin. But the truth is, we're just lying and we're denying. That's all that we're doing. It's the pride of this, of saying that my sin is really not that bad. It's overlooking our sin. It's the foolishness of living as if God does not know our sin. Or it's the foolishness of this right here, of thinking that by hiding and denying our sin, it's going to erase the consequences of our sin, right? There's this foolishness in our church today. Is this right here. That if the best way to fight our sin is to hide and deny our sin. And for anybody that has come out of habitual or addictive sin on the other side, they will tell you that that lie permeates and it corrodes the soul. And, friends, when, when we walk as the people of God long enough, we walk in hypocrisy and hiding for, for so long, that's when you see the church becoming corrupt, becoming ineffective, becoming apathetic, becoming not a prophetic and loving voice in the world. Because inside the church there's disease, and we refuse to deal with it. Here's what blew me away this week hypocrisy and hiding are the cards that we play it's it's like we're trying to get in this club of the fellowship of light right and like like, here's my card you don't know my sin here's my card well here's hypocrisy let me in uh, let me in and just something's off something's wrong and john wrote this thousands of years ago to a people that were walking in the same kind of darkness that we're walking in today Hypocrisy and hiding. Listen, the cards of hypocrisy and hiding—they do not work, and here's why: because they reveal the true intent of the heart. The heart that says, "I want to proclaim God with my lips, but not give full access with my heart." It's—it's it's a full misunderstanding of the life, the message of Jesus and His kingdom. He came to not simply have people proclaim faith with their mouth and and do outward acts of goodness. We think that he came simply to do that, that we can just profess faith, do some good things, and be left alone. That is a wholesale misunderstanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Church, please hear this today. Jesus came for the whole part of you. Not just the profession and the external acts. He came for your heart. He came to complete your joy and to walk in fellowship. And a heart that's divided will never walk in true fellowship with him. But here's the good news for us today. John doesn't stop with just a warning. He gives us a path. And here's the path in verse 9. If we confess our sins, the path is death by confession. And that sounds dramatic, I understand that. Uh, but the reason it sounds dramatic is because we are just way too pretty as Christians. And we'll think, if I just say confession, this is what I'll do. Man, brother, I just have some problems with pride. I'm str- that's a pretty confession, isn't it? But friends... For us to walk in that fullness of joy and the beautiful fellowship with the Godhead that in your soul you desire for, there must be a death by confession. It's the kind of confession where you say, like, you get detailed. You get gritty. You get honest with God. It's like the counselor kind of confession, right, where you're talking to God, where he gets every part of your soul. And you get so deep, you pull up the roots of confession, and you just die. You say, Lord, the reason I'm prideful is because I think I'm God. And what happens when I think I'm God, if my kids come bother me at a certain time, I yell at my kids. Not that I would ever do that, um, just y'all. And, um, and I yell at my kids, uh, and sometimes I lie because I don't be people to see the true me, because I want them to think I'm God, right? It's that, I'm going to stop now, I don't want to get too confessy to on stage, but uh, But there is this sense that there is this confession, there's this death by confession. It's not pretty. It's not pretty. It's gritty. But here's the truth. If you are of God, you will have this death by confession voluntary or involuntary. Here's what I mean. If you are of God, he will blow you up in your sin at some point. And there's a chance that your life could be rough for a while, right? Right? It's that thing where you hide and deny your sin for so long, and then it comes out, and there's just this cascade of consequences, right? And, and those consequences, they hurt and they affect others, but there's a real freedom and fellowship with God. So, death by confession. It's almost like you ever been to a um, hotel, and your little car to get in your room just won't work. Like you're sliding it. Man, it's not working. And then your wife does it in two seconds. It's really annoying. Um, but you're trying and you're trying. And it's, here's, here's the problem with us in fellowship with God. We try to hide our sin like he can't see us. We are still Adam and Eve covering ourselves up, aren't we? We hide and we swipe the card and the fellowship with God is just not there. That path is just not happening. But when we walk with the card, our, our, here, here's the thing. The membership card of God's church is not like great works it's not like pretty people. It is messed up, confessing sinners. That is the card that we have to play. And church, if we play any other card, we're going to walk in apathetic, slow death. But if we learn to like carry our card with almost pride, like I'm a sinner saved by grace. And if you have ever been around a former addict, you see this, don't you? The person that's been brought to the end of themselves, they walk with, like, you talk to them, they're like a different person. They're so honest and okay in their own skin, and, and they're joyful, and they're weepy. They're all these things. There's this supernatural brokenness in them. And, friends, that's called to be the church. I'm off my notes here. Death by confession. This is the death of our agenda. This is the death of all of you. This is the death of your plans, of your thoughts, of your will, of your affections. It's saying, God, all that is secondary and you're primary. We don't confess sins simply so we stop doing the act of sinning. We confess sins as we see here in this right here in verse 8, verse 9. He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There is this cleansing that happens through confession. And so we don't just do this, stop sinning. We confess to be transformed. Hear this. Confession is the chemo to our sin. Confession is the means to destroy sin. It's not hiding, it's not lying, it's not denying. It is confession that is the bleach for our soul, so to speak. Death by confession is the secret to the transformed life, I believe, in the West today. Because I will tell you, in the history of the church, we have never had so many resources to help the church think about the things of God. So many books, books podcast sermons videos a plethora of resources to help us walk in the truth that's a, a great gift to the church but for some reason we are full of knowledge we are full of knowing the things but we are completely untransformed correct we are still grin and bear it type of christians But Jesus came for inside-out change. He came for it all. And that's only possible, I believe, for us through confession. And now there's two forms of confession. Uh, James 5 says this, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. So there is a confession to God. We pray in the Lord's prayer, Lord, forgive us as we forgive our debtors, right? There is this ongoing day-by-day confession to the God of light, where his light, his holiness exposes our sin. We confess everything freely to God. Here's my encouragement when you confess to God. Confess the specific act of sin and then also pull the strings back some and ask you, why did I sin? What idol is this showing in my life? Confess our sins to God. And hear this, friends, you will be cleansed. You will be forgiven. But there's this second form of confession. It's the confession to a brother and sister in Christ that James says here it brings healing. And this is one of those things that, like, it's so transformable to our lives today. There is this thing about holding your sin in, and when you confess it to a brother or a sister or a friend in Christ. That you're just, you're healed. And here's why. When the darkness stays in the dark, it permeates. When it's brought to the light, it's destroyed. And it stops entangling us so much, but we have just gone so long at living in the darkness. So here is my application. Before my last point, I want to do my application even right now. There's two things I'm asking us to do today as a people. Here here is the first. First is that we would focus on the light. We would be a people. This is the renewing of your mind. This is seeing God clearly. This is setting your mind on things above. And here's what I want to make sure we understand is that every person in this room is different. It's like for me, the way that I focus on the light is I need to be alone and I need to read. Read. That is how I am an introvert. That's how God has wired me. When I, when I have those 30 minutes, that hour, I just like permeate with like clarity at who God is and I walk in joy. But every person in this room is different. You might need to be outside. Yours might be music. Yours might be an audio Bible. It, it might be a, a, a friend conversation. There's some way that you, and here's the job of you, a Christian, a follower of Jesus. You need to know how you best focus on the lights. How do you uh, grow your affection and your awareness of the light, of who God is? What is that for you? You might not be a huge reader. Well, guess what? You need to find some way to say the truth of God and impart it into your mind. Here's why. Because the vision of the world is coming at you. And it's constantly taking your focus away from the light and into the darkness. So our step this week to resolve to focus on the light. Second, confess the darkness. Confess the darkness. This this is the real hard part. Confess the darkness to God and to another safe person. And, And of course, we must be careful with this because Um, we don't want a person that's going to add to our hurt, add to the trauma of our sin. We want a safe person. But hear this, friends, you need a person. And and if you're not sure of your person, I know us as a pastoral team, we'd love to be that person or to help you find a person. But you need to bring the darkness into the light. Because, friends, as we focus on the light, and we confess the darkness, something happens. We start walking in the light. Here's the the last thing, the promise that John gives us. Verse 7. I'm not going to sing DC Talk here. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. We walk in the light, we get two things. We get freedom. Church, hear this. Hear this. We sang that song, I'm free. I'm not gonna sing, I promise. I want to sing. I just want to skip around, right? And be a little charismatic for a minute, that we're free. Friends, we're free, but we're walking in bondage, because we're walking in the darkness. We get freedom from sin. It says here, He cleanses our sin. John wrote this letter so that His people would not sin anymore, so they would not walk in sin. Walking in the light helps us to not sin. Death by confession, it chips away at the power of sin over your heart. It chips away. Slow by slow, progressively, over time, it chips away. The light destroys the darkness. You become a person who loves and enjoys walking in the light, not just faking walking in the light. You actually enjoy and naturally walk in the light. We can know all the things, but knowing all the things and professing all the things does not mean that we walk in the light if our souls are hiding and denying So we get freedom from sin. We get freedom from hiding because we're known by God and others. It's this beautiful gift God gives us. So we get freedom as a promise and last, fellowship. We get fellowship. We get fellowship with the creator of the universe. I went to my house about 6 this morning And, man, the birds were a-singing this morning. And it was a beautiful morning, and I was just looking, and there was stars, and there was planes. And I was just marveling at the creation of God. And I marvel at the perfection of Jesus. And I marvel at the strength of him speaking creation into existence. But here is what's even crazier. It's through this Death by confession, right? We have fellowship with God. This Godhead of the Father, Son, the Spirit who have lived in perfect community and perfect unity forever. We can't even comprehend that. We had to join them in community. And I was meeting with the fourth and fifth graders in the 930 class this morning. And we were talking about uh, the Lord's Supper and this beautiful meal. And we talked about how that meal of the Lord's table is like just this kind of preview, this, this foretaste of one day in God's new creation and new heaven and new earth where all the people of God are at the biggest table we can imagine. And at the center of the table is our Savior. And we're eating the best food. And we're laughing. And there's joy. And there's worship of God in this great fellowship. This is the promise that John is giving his church and giving us today. This fellowship with God, but also this fellowship with each other. That you know my stuff and I know your stuff and we all kind of have a limp. There's there's no pride. There's no pretense. There is simply a bunch of sinners saved by grace stumbling in here and worshiping our God and supporting each other. Because hear this today, friends, your hidden sin affects the church, not just you. Because your hidden sin, it breaks fellowship. When there's broken fellowship, there's a corrupted view of God's church. There's a, a corrupted uh, working of God's church. But there is this time, there are these moments, there are these things where the, the people of God are, see God as light and respond with faithful confession and repentance of their sins, and we walk around this beautiful picture of God's kingdom, and we walk in joy and fellowship and this hopeful expectation of what is to come, where yes, the world is hard, the world has fallen, but we know that one day, all of us broken sinners will be with our Savior for eternity, and so we live with joy and hope, and we serve God others with no need to be served back like our savior did right this beautiful picture of god's kingdom we have this promise of freedom and of fellowship but church it it, it will not happen as we live in hypocrisy and hiding so we're going to close today and there is no uh communion today but there is a time of response that as we as i pray the band's going to play for for a little bit and you have a chance to reflect and and you were given a card today And, and I would encourage you you don't have to confess your sins on that card you can if you want to or you can find us in the back and talk and we'll pray with you as well but I would encourage you to respond in some way and to let the church know how we can pray for each other and what God is doing in your life let's pray dear Lord you are the God of light You are good, you are right, you are lovely, and you are holy. And Father, we have no uh, access to you apart from Christ. And so, Father, we today fully rest in the finished work of Jesus. Father, even today, will you move in hearts right now? Father, where there is a spirit of shame in this room, Father, I ask that you remove it. And Father, let your kindness lead us to repentance. You're loving, you're patient, you're merciful. Father, let sinners come home to you today. Let us walk in fellowship with you today. Father, speak to us today and give us the boldness to risk obeying you.